everyone. Welcome to CTC and thanks for spending part of your weekend with us. I'm Lynn Poindexter and you're watching the 3B4. Our Senior Center is sponsoring a trip this coming Friday, December 8th. Everyone is invited to December in Smithville. The group will travel by motor coach to Smithville, New Jersey for food, Christmas shopping, and Christmas lights on the lake. The trip will depart at 10 a.m. from the Bear Campus. Cost for the coach is $36 per person. You don't have to be a senior to go on this trip. The focus is to engage the Senior Center and our church family. To learn more or to sign up, contact Marianne Strayhorn at mstrayhorn at ctcde.church. Next weekend in all three services, we will take some time to honor and remember loved ones who have been lost in the past year. On that weekend, you will have an opportunity to write the name of your loved one on an ornament, and you will be able to place them on one of two trees. During the remembrance, four candles will be lit, one each for grief, courage, memory, and love. Laminated bookmarks will be available and will have on them the poem, Four Candles. We encourage you to worship with us that weekend as we honor and remember loved ones we have lost. Our next men's dinner is planned for Wednesday, December 6th at 6 p.m. at Legends Restaurant near the Newcastle County Airport. Men from both campuses are encouraged to come and bring a friend with you. The men's breakfast will be on Saturday, December 16th at 7.30 at the Bear Campus. For more details or to let us know you're coming, you can contact Kevin Sturgis at 302-824-5625. Thanks for being here today. You can find more information about all of our ministries by going to ctcde.church. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. As we worship together today, our prayer is that you leave feeling encouraged and closer to God than ever. Please let us know if there's anything you need while you're here. Now, let's get ready to worship. Bear with us for a second. We had to do a reset. We had a little bit of technical difficulty. Are we okay? Technical difficulties are awesome, aren't they? But God is still here with us. Amen? We have come to worship Him, and we worship Him today because He is love. Love is not just something that God does for us and does in us. Love is what He is. And so today, as we worship Him, we give Him praise. Let's stand together and worship the Lord. We welcome you, whether you're here in the room or worshiping online. We just want to worship Him today. Remember those walls that we called sin and shame. They were like prisons that we couldn't escape. But He came, and He died, and He rose. Those walls are rubble now.
remember those giants we called death and grave. They were like mountains that stood in our way. But he came and he died and he rose. Come on now. Those giants are dead now. praise today. Lord, we thank you that you are love. We thank you, Lord, that it is built into you and who you are, that you love us. God, you don't love us because we jump through a certain set of hoops or we perform a certain number of duties or we do a list of things. You love us because we are your creation. We are your children. And so, God, today, as we come into your presence, as we worship you, in song, in fellowship, 
in hearing the word together. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would move among us in a profound way today. Lord, maybe speak to us today. Speak to our hearts in a way that you maybe never have before. And help us to listen. And help us to be changed before we leave today. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen and Amen. Come on and give the Lord praise this morning and then you can be seated. Amen. Well, welcome to Christ the Cornerstone. It was a little bit of, I was a little discombobulated there at the beginning because we were having some technical difficulties, and we may still be, but God is still here. Uh, so what I didn't take a, a minute to do was just to welcome you. Thank you for, as Lynn says in the uh, three before video, thanks for spending part of your weekend with us. There's a lot of things you could be doing this weekend, a lot of things you could be doing right now, but you're here worshiping the Lord, and you're here with us. If you're new If it's your first time, or maybe you've only been here a couple of times, we want to extend a special welcome to you. If you're new and you're with us in the building, uh, just outside in the mall area when you leave the room after the service, on the left-hand side is our Connect Central. We encourage you to stop by there. We have a free gift for you, and uh, you can talk to some people from the church, find out anything about pretty much any and all of the ministries that we have going on here at uh, CTC and uh, how you can get involved in that. If you're new and you're worshiping online, There's an I'm new here button up in the upper right-hand corner of your screen. You can click on that. It'll take you to our Connect card, uh, and we just ask you to fill that out. So that brings us to the Connect card. At your table uh, where you're seated in your chair is a Connect card, and we really want to encourage you. uh, Maybe you've kind of gotten out of the habit of uh, filling out your Connect card, and you're like, ah, I fill this thing out all the time. They know I'm here. Well, we don't necessarily know you're here because there's a lot of folks here, and so In order for us to know that you're here, uh, some folks are getting a phone call or an email saying, hey, we missed you. And you're like, well, I'm here all the time. So just help us out by filling out that card and dropping it in one of the baskets uh, at the back of the room or on your way out. Again, if you're new, if you would just uh, give us some basic information so we can thank you for your visit and uh, give you some information about the church. Uh, Also on that Connect card, you can communicate prayer requests or praise reports, and uh, we will be certain to pray over those. Uh, several times, again, we, we tell you this each weekend, but several times during the week, we have groups that get together and pray over those prayer needs. And uh, again, if you need those needs to be uh, kept confidential, just let, let us know that on the card, and uh, we'll make sure that we keep those confidential. All right? That's a lot of information. Did I talk too fast? Okay, good. Here's Pastor Roger. Good morning, everybody. Great to see all of you. Welcome online. Glad that you're with us today. I want to just take a, a moment again to emphasize the importance of these Connect cards. Pastor Bill was exactly right. Uh, so we want you, every time you gather with us for worship, to fill out a Connect card and drop it in one of the baskets that's in the hallway or, or near the doors as you leave. Why? Because this is one of the ways we love each other, we show care for each other, we help one another, we engage with one another, we share God's love with one another. You're important. And uh, one of the phrases that Pastor Paul was the pastor here for 27 years, and uh, one of the phrases, if you were here during his time, you heard him say this, you are loved, wanted, and needed. And that culture that we want to create here is so important. And if we're not intentional about, about creating that culture, we won't, we won't experience it together. And we want, we want you to do that. So we need your help. So participate 
in that, uh, doing that. So, love, serve, and engage are three words that we frequently talk about. We talk about serving God, serving others with our gifts and all of our resources. And I just want to take a moment this morning to say thank you so much for giving faithfully and generously to God through the work that we're doing together as the body of Christ through Christ the Cornerstone. Next week, we'll be hearing from one of, our, one of the missionaries that we support, uh, Kelsey Stave, uh, and she grew up in this church, and uh, she, she, has, uh, she was here a couple months ago and uh, telling us about her ministry uh, that she's uh, engaged in in Panama, and uh, she'll be back uh, telling us a little bit more about that, so we're excited to hear from Kelsey next week. But, I, but we're supporting her every month with a good gift because of your generosity. We have some words, some verses that continue to teach us how, to, how God is um, showing us to use uh, our money, to trust Him with all of our resources, and whether we've got cash that we can share or whether we've got other resources, we want to use it according to these principles. So let's read together this verse that reminds us of that, this verse from 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Let's read this together. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. Why? Because God loves a person who gives cheerfully. As a pastor, as the, the lead pastor of this church, who's, who, who one, of my jobs, one of my jobs certainly is to, to, to watch over the, the giving and to teach that, that stewardship, that's a hard verse for me to read. Because it means that I've got to trust you to listen to God in your own life and to give generously. And I don't want to beat you over the head with, with this law or that law. God says you must do this. But give it generously and decide for yourselves how much to give and do so with a grateful heart. So I do thank you for, for your uh, generosity with us. Well, let's continue worshiping God this morning as the team comes back. I invite you to stand again with me, and I offer this prayer uh, as we continue to worship. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we've gathered here today to be in your presence, to listen to you, to sing to you. We thank you for who you are in the opening song, God, that we, that we sang, that this is our God. This is who he is. This is what he does. He loves us. And we come this morning to worship you. God, we don't want to leave this place this morning without experiencing your love in our lives this morning. And then we want to leave today, God, having been encouraged and lifted up to, to live our lives in your presence. So, as we continue to worship, as we sing, as we hear your word this morning, as we celebrate the sacrament of communion, we know you're with us and we praise you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice. We worship you today as the King and the Lord and the baby born in a manger. Thank you, Lord. Creator of the world, breathing our 
today. We've come to worship you. We've come to adore you. We've come to lay down our burdens at your feet because you are worthy of praise. You are worthy of glory and you are worthy of honor. So we come today to sit at your feet and worship you. Let's sing together. 
praise today. Lord, we come to adore you. We've come to worship you. We've come to magnify you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We think about that word magnify. And I just heard some, I just heard a pastor say this this past week. We think about the word magnifying something. When you look through a telescope or binoculars, you're not actually making something bigger than it already is. You're seeing it bigger in your own eyes. So when we say, when we say something like, we're going to magnify the Lord, 
He's already as big as he can be. He's already as he's already enormous. He covers the whole earth. He covers the whole universe. So we can't make him any bigger. But today we can see him bigger in our own eyes. Because if you're like me, you begin to look at God and the size of God through the lens of your circumstance. And when you do that, when I do that, it's like turning binoculars around and looking through them the the wrong way. And then we make God smaller than he really is. I don't know who this is for today, but the lens of your circumstances can help you decide how big God is for you. But when we magnify him, when we magnify him in our lives, in our worship, in our scripture reading, in our study of his word, when we magnify him. A friend of mine who's a pastor in Pittsburgh, he said he says this. He says, I'm not going to tell God how big my problems are. I'm going to tell my problems how big my God is. So I don't know who that's for today. Maybe it's for somebody online. Maybe you're watching watching us weeks down the road, months down the road. But today, God is big. And so we want to magnify Him. The psalmist said, Lift up your heads, O you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The question is asked. And the answer is, the Lord, strong and mighty. He is the King of glory.
today, our goal is just to spend time with you, to be with you. Lord, we come today without a list, without an agenda, without a long line of things that we need or that we want. Today, we come with no other goal than just to be with you. Sometimes when we're in difficult situations in our lives when we're struggling with something you have that friend or that someone in your life where when you're just in the same room with them they don't have to say anything they don't have to offer any advice they don't have to answer any questions they're just there and you are that friend to somebody else in your life that's what God wants to be to us today Yeah, the circumstances are there. The difficult times are there. The times when we need Him are there and they are real. But when we come and we sit at His feet and we magnify Him, those things don't go away. We talk often about this idea of worship being a coat that we wear out in the weather. If we go out in the weather and it's snowing and it's 
10 degrees outside and we're not wearing a coat, it's not going to be a good thing. It's going to be tough out there. But if we put that coat on and the boots and the things that keep us warm, we go out in that, the weather doesn't change. But what we've put on changes us. So that's what putting on worship does for us. Now, I was just talking about this with somebody recently. When you make up your mind that you're going to worship God with everything inside of you, guess who's going to be mad? The enemy's going to be angry. and He's going to come at you. And I'm going to tell you, folks, that's when we really need to just be in a place where we sit with him. I just want to be with you, God. That's all I want is just to be with you. So today, wherever you are in the circumstances of your life, in the room, worshiping online, wherever you are, God is here. And it's our choice to be with him. It's our joy to be with him. So God, today, we thank you for your Holy Spirit that's been moving among us from the very beginning of this service today. And Lord, we pray that as Pastor Roger comes and brings the message, God, that your Holy Spirit would continue to speak and move, speak through him, that our hearts might receive what it is that you want us to know. Change us, God, because we have been sitting in your presence, worshiping you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Wonderful, wonderful time of worship, and uh, thank you for participating and entering into that uh, presence, into the presence of God as He is with us this morning. We're starting a new series this morning titled, "Our Win- The Winter of Our Contentment. Come, find peace in Christ. The phrase, this is the winter of our discontent, is, is a, uh, you may have heard that phrase, it comes originally from a uh, a, a William Shakespeare play, Richard III. Richard III was a, a king of England. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about this. Is, this is how Shakespeare is portraying Richard. Uh, at the beginning of the play, King Edward has, has been enthroned as the king of England after a battle. Richard is his brother, who is not the king. So there's this great fanfare. We've all seen the coronation. Probably all of us have seen in some way the coronation of, of King Charles. And so you can imagine all the fanfare that went to the king. So this just happened at the beginning of the play. And then the scene shifts over to the brother, Richard. And he says this, Now is the winter of our discontent made glorious summer by this son of York. That's the first phrase. So what Richard is saying in this is we've just come through this battle, this winter of discontent, but now there's peace. It's summertime. And then immediately Richard shifts from that sense of peace once again to discontent. And I think that's the irony that William Shakespeare is is wanting to portray. How easy it is for us as human beings to shift from having contentment to having discontent. We get that. We get that. We understand that, don't you? And, 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 you know, we're taught to pursue 
greater things. Don't be content with your life. So you'll, you'll go for a job interview and your, your, your prospective employer wants to see that drive, wants to see that energy, wants to see how you'll take the company from where we are to where we're going to be. If you're a teacher, you want your students to go from here to here. You want to, have, you want to see that ambition. You want to see that drive. You want to see that work in it. Don't settle. Don't get content. So we're, we're conditioned in our world to live in a state of discontent. And yet, we've got, we long for peace. We long for contentment. How do we live in this, this setting of we're constantly driving to get more, to have more, to be more, and yet find peace in that? Because God really wants both, wouldn't He? I mean, we're, we're human beings. So how do we live in that mix? That what, that's what this series is about. We're going to be exploring this idea of contentment and how do we live in it. It is a way of holiness that God has for us. A better way, not of just being discontent with everything, but a way of being content even when our circumstances around us may bring strife and difficulty. I have asked a couple of the kids if they'd come and help me from the Morris family. Come on, guys. And we've got some, I've got some treats here that I want to share. Oh, April's going to come too. You're just going to stand, you're going to stand by to, just, just, just in case. So, piece of chocolate for you. You want one? Piece of chocolate for you. What? I don't think so. Not even 12 o'clock. Uh, 9.37. Right. Did you guys Perfect time for chocolate. How many April, you what are you doing here? <laughs> Trying to make sure you don't give them too much. Have some candy. more. Jesus. Have some more. Small she is. You're going to give her three pieces of candy. Well, it'll help her grow. I don't think her parents would like Have some that. more. That's too much candy. Have you. some more. That's way April, candy. what are you doing? That's some more. You don't need that much candy. And you didn't get Watch candy. Watch out. Who? Caleb. Give me the candy, man. <laughs> I don't think so. Not with that attitude. Give me the candy. <laughs> oh, wait, wait. Are you feeling discontented? No. Are you not ha- No. <laughs> man, here comes the sarcasm. How about they take one piece each? Nope. I want them to have more. Whoa, 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 whoa. We just he's, he's taking it from his siblings because you left them out. Let's see, we have a problem here. Exactly. I don't think so. Here you go. Have some more. You girls gonna have know some you more. don't need the candy, right? Right? Yeah. Girls. <laughs> we can save it for later, right? Okay. So, what, what, well, what are you going to do about your brother? <laughs> I can tell this is not this is not going to end when we're done up here, is it? It's gonna it's gonna go home like that. Well, I gotta have some more for the next service. All right, so I created an atmosphere of discontent. We're not satisfied. That's kind of that's what contentment means. It means being satisfied, being at peace. And Caleb's still not at peace. He's still wondering what's going on here. And April's coming up here trying to trying to make peace. 
with the, and, and her boss is saying, what are you doing up here messing around with my message? <laughs> That's good. Anyway, all right. You guys can keep that. You guys can share it. You can do whatever you, you want to do it. Caleb, how you gonna how you gonna let's see. You don't like chocolate, see? That's one that's one way to work it out. Thank you guys. Come back next service so we can help so we can do it again. Now and, and and all of you out here are like, well, where's my piece of chocolate? And I gotta save some for the next service, because that's that's how mean I am. <laughs> Defining contentment. A simple, basic Definition is the lack of strife. So I got looking at this word contentment in the Bible, and the English word contentment appears only a few times in the Bible. And what I noticed is, first of all, I mean, contentment is is a concept, kind of a you know, it's one of these concepts that's a human idea that that is difficult to describe. Like we can. We can take a, a, a plate like what's on the table here and we can say we can describe it fairly easily. Well, a plate is a dish on which we place our food. It's flat and, and it's usually round, but they come in different shapes. That's a plate. It holds our food while we eat. it. But define contentment. You can't do it with concrete things except to say there is no strife among us. And that's the way the ancient people and the ancient writers in the Bible defined contentment. They could only they could only describe as what it was not rather than what it was. Now, we have the words contentment and we understand what that means. We have the word satisfaction, satisfied. We have the word peace. And so all these words are part of contentment. And this is what God is calling us to experience in our lives. To experience contentment in our daily work, to experience contentment in our relationships, to experience contentment with God, lack of strife between me and God. So the question that I want you to consider this morning is this, where in your life is there any strife? Because if if contentment is the absence of strife, then, then the presence of strife means there is no contentment. I think I just did some math there, something like that. I don't know. kind of blew my mind uh, apart. But so, so where in your life is there a sense of strife? Two things opposing each other, rubbing against each other, things that are difficult. You've got this angst in your stomach and you're not quite sure where that's coming from. What is this about? Well, let's look at some scriptures where this word contentment shows up. And, and throughout this series, we're going to be looking at, at different scriptures and different experiences to help understand contentment. But Hebrews chapter 13, I'm going to be re- reverse, read verses 5 and 6. Only verse 5 is going to be up here. It says this, Don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. Why? Because God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. Let's think about the logic of this, of this verse. Don't love money. And the, and the word at the root of this, be not a lover of money. It's one word in the, in the Greek language. 
It makes, it makes a sentence in our language. Don't love money. But it's just one word in the Greek. It's a compound word, meaning it's got, a, it's got one part and the second part shoved together. We know the word Philadelphia, for example. And we know that that's a Greek word that means brotherly love. And we talk about Philadelphia as the city of brotherly love. And and phila is the word love. Adelphos is the word for brother in the Greek language. So Philadelphos, the city of brotherly love or the place of brotherly love. So this word, this word for uh, don't love money is a compound word like that. No sense in me saying it. doesn't sound like Philadelphia, but, but you're not going to remember what it sounds like in the Greek anyway. But just know this, that it's one word and it means being a lover of money. And they put a prefix on the, end of it, on the front of it that negates the word. So it says, don't be a lover of money. Don't love the things that are around us. Instead, be satisfied. And this is the word for content. Let there be no strife between what you have and what you don't have. Boy, that's not easy. Especially at Christmas time. We're all making our Christmas lists. How do you make Christmas lists? So kids make their Christmas lists. Do you write it out? Do you go on Amazon and make have your wish list on Amazon or some other app or whatever? And I, somebody mentioned that the other day and I thought, what? My kids didn't do that. No, of course they didn't. They're too old to make a, have a wish list on this app or on this website or whatever. But we're all making our wish list. And what, what do we as parents hope will happen on Christmas Day? <laughs> do we hope that our children get everything on their list? What do we do when they don't get everything on their list? And they're upset. I mean, I was, uh, I've told this story before. This is a funny story. I remember going to Christmas with my, uh, with, with my extended family. We were at Grandma's house, and this grandmother always gave us practical gifts that we didn't want. She, she was married with, my, my, she and my grandpa were married in 1929. Those of us who know our history know what happened financially in this country in 1929. They started their marriage at the beginning of the Depression, the Great Depression. That absolutely affected the gifts that Grandma would give at Christmas time. And so I'm sitting there, and I was probably eight or nine years old, and I know that I've got this package, this box that's got a gift from Grandma in it, and I don't want to open it because it's going to have something that I need, but nobody, I don't, I don't want to see what it is, and I don't want my cousins who are all around me to see what it is either. So I, so I open, I unwrap the, 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 take the paper off, and I'm slowly lifting the lid up like this just to see what it is before I react, before anybody asks me what it is. And what I don't know is that my 16-year-old cousin is standing right behind me, watching me, open it slowly, and as soon as I get that box cracked open, he slides his hand over my shoulder, reaches into the box, and pulls out the gift, and holds it up, and yells, Roger got fruit of the looms! (laughs) And for an eight-year-old boy, that is the most embarrassing thing. Whitey tidies. Tidy whiteys, what is it? How do you say that? I don't know. Fruit of the looms. 
Oh my gosh. Was I content with what I got? Not a bit. <laughs> but is that a, am I content with the family story that gets told every time I'm with my cousins at Christmas time? That's a lot of fun telling that story. Thank you, Grandma, for giving me great sermon illustrations. <laughs> Don't fall in love with the thing you're getting. Be content with what you've got. Why? Now we've got to look at the look at the grammar and look at the logic of this verse. Because I don't say because up there it says for, but we can replace it with the word because, and it has a stronger meaning. It's the same thing. Because God has said, "I will never fail you. I will never abandon you." Therefore, be content with what you have. Are you? Oof. That's tough. We want to provide for this. I want a retirement like this. I got to have this for my family. I can't live without that. We've probably all seen that. Was it a progressive commercial? With with what's 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 that woman's name and her sister? Flo. Flo goes to her sister's house. Her sister's that that lazy, rich, wealthy woman. She's riding her exercise bike. And she's, she's naming all the things in her house that she has. And here's this, uh, this bariatric whatever, um, oxygen thing that she steps in. And she said, oh, that's my bariatric ox- oxygen machine. I can't live without oxygen. Duh. <laughs> no, we can't live without oxygen. But she's, she can't live without this thing. Yes, you can. You can be content to breathe the air that we've got right here because that's what God has provided for us to breathe. Why why should we be content? Because God will never fail us. Boy, that's a hard thing for us to live with. I'm going to read verse 6, the next verse. So, because God will never fail us, God will never abandon us, we can say with confidence... The Lord is my helper. I will have no fear. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And the last phrase in that, what can mere people do to me? So many times we're so afraid to act courageously, to act on that which God is teaching us because we're afraid what other people are going to think. We're afraid what other people are going to say. We're afraid that we won't have enough. We can confidently trust God. Sometimes I have to trust God to give me the energy to do the work that's going to help me earn the money that I've got to do. Lord, get me well so that I can function. How are you going to provide for me, God? Go to another scripture, 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 6. This one says, Yet true godliness with contentment. So here's, here's this phrase. What is God calling to us? He's calling us to godliness, but this godliness God is calling us to has contentment with it. It's part of the holiness, part of be holy as I am holy. This is what I expect for you to, to experience in your life. Godliness with contentment. Contentment. 
True godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing into nothing with us when we came into the world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. Now, remember one of the pastors in America, a very famous pastor in America, wrote a book called Holy Discontent. And we this this idea of, of us, there's a condition here. If we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. Now, what's enough? <laughs> now, there's a, there, there's a moving target, right? For us. And sometimes what is enough for me is much less than what you think might be enough for you and what I think is enough for you. I might try to take the candy that we saw up here. What was what was enough? April was saying that's enough, and Eliana's saying no, it's not. No, and Caleb's saying I got nothing. And then he turned on his sisters to get what they had. There was discontent in the family. Pastor Vaughn and I have done plenty of funerals where we've seen that discontent in families. After mom and dad die and they're trying to figure out what do we do with the assets and the things that are afterwards. Is there contentment in the family? Oh Lord, help us. I hope I'm not meddling too much. <laughs> Yet true godliness with contentment is itself a great wealth. As I was studying that, I remembered and I shared this in the email that I sent out on Friday. Growing up on the farm, we 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 um, we heated our home with two wood stoves. One was down in the basement. The basement was only half under the house. The other end of the house would get cold, so we had a, a, another wood stove in the living room on that end of the house. And because we were so busy during the summer with the crops and and, and on the farm, we didn't have time in the summer to go up into the woods to cut down trees so that they would be seasoned. We waited until wintertime to get the wood that we needed for the fuel for our house. And so we were burning green wood. But I, as I was complaining, getting on the tractor and taking the wagon, hauling it up into the woods, and it was snowing or it was raining and it was icy and, the, and it was muddy and it was horrible, I was discontent. And my dad would say, come on, Roger, this is going to warm you three times. I'm like, Dad, you're just trying to get me to do this. <laughs> you can't fool me. Says, yeah, you get warmed up when you cut the tree down and split it up. Then you get warmed up when you stack it in the truck and take it down to the house and throw it into the stack it into the basement. That warms you up again. And then you're warmed again when you put it in the fire and you get to sit around and experience comfort of a warm house. My dad was teaching me so much more to be content with what I have than just to be discontent with the option of going to get wood. What a horrible job. Somebody came to me last night after the message. I agree with you. Getting wood is horrible. <laughs> That's what we did. That's what we did to stay, to stay warm. Verse 9 says, But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Remember, in Hebrews we read, don't love money. 
That is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money, the Scriptures say, have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many arrows. Let's finish the story of King Richard. He was jealous when his brother was put on the throne. And in the same moment that King Richard that England was celebrating the end of uh, uh, one war and that there would finally be peace and contentment in England, Richard turns around and says, this is the winter of our discontent turned into summer of peace. And then his next phrase says, but I am making a promise to myself that I am supposed to be the king and I will do whatever it takes to get me on that throne instead of my brother. How quickly his contentment turns to discontent. And that is our human condition. We need to confess that and say, God, help me be content with what you have given me. Give me the strength to do what to provide. God, I trust in you to provide. Whether it's a, whether, whether it's a, a, a child hoping to get this and not wanting to be disappointed because I got something in a different color or I didn't get as much as I wanted. Or if it's a teenager trying to sort of figure out where is my place in this world and, and, and we get ghosted by somebody that we think is a, is a friend and we find ourselves alone and we've got to, and we've got to do that horrible experience as a teenager of, of, of being hurt personally and then trying to well if I, I don't want to make any more friends because friends hurt you so i'm just going to i'm just going to hunker down in my life and and the, the the outcome of that is depression and anxiety and loneliness and and, and we've got to learn how how to how to how to be content as well as and at the same time how to become friends and to be friends and when somebody disappoints us make another friend or we're the middle age, we're the, we're the young adult who starts out in the, into a career with all these starry eyes. This is going to be great. I'm going to make lots of money. We get into the job and we're expected to work for this. And we've got to grow up. Or we're middle aged and we've been in that career and all of a sudden it's gone. And we're wondering, what is the meaning of life? I'm 45 years old. What do I do now? I thought I had it figured out. But I've got kids who are depending on me. And I just lost my job. Where's my contentment going to come from? Or we're, we're in retirement and we, we had this plan. We bought this, this motor home so that we could travel. And then my wife gets sick and we've got to sell that in order to pay the medical bills. This is not what I planned on. Where is our contentment going to come from? And those who love money. So King Richard had this plan. His contentment lasted only for an instant. And then he said, I've got to have that place. And he murders his brother. He arranges for the murder of his other brother. And then there, then, then there were two cousins, sons of each of these brothers. They were eight to ten years old. He had them imprisoned in the Tower of London and he had them murdered. Until finally he was the only one left to be king. And his discontentment led him to that. His desire, his jealousy, his covetousness led him to that evil. 
And he was king for only two years when he had led England from being a place of peace under his brother's reign to being again in a war. And he was surrounded in that last battle by some of his own men who used to be loyal to his brother and to him. But now they have turned against him and they're killing him on the battlefield. King Richard was buried in Lister Cathedral, in the, in the cemetery at Lister Cathedral, when King Henry VIII, a couple generations, became king and separated from the, from the Pope, from the Roman Catholic Church, that cathedral was destroyed by Henry VIII. They lost track of where King Richard's body had been buried after that battle. They built a new cathedral in Lister, several miles away. And some, some archaeologists in 2012, 400 years after, <laughs> were studying the maps and said, I think that that old cathedral was right here. Let's dig in this area. And in 2012, under a parking lot, they found King Richard's bones. They dug them up and they reinterred them back in the new cathedral at Lister. King Richard's discontent, jealousy, passion ended up with arrows in his body. What are you doing with your discontent? Is there anything in your life where there is strife? It ought to immediately bring something to us all. And so my invitation is let's bring it before Jesus. Let's consider what God has said to us. Don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never leave you. I will never fail you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. As we come to take communion this morning, that's my invitation to you to, to think about that and to to say, God, and maybe some of us, we think we're content, but, but, or maybe we can't name that which is causing discontent in our lives, and, and, but we still feel an uneasiness. There's still something in us that says something's not right. And, and, and so maybe our prayer needs to be, God, reveal to me what is making me anxious, what is making me discontent. And let's take a moment to take that and say, God, I'm giving this to you. I'm trusting you with this. And kids, I think, I think it's important for us to say, even right now, to decide, whatever happens on Christmas morning, I'm going to give thanks for what I've got. And thank you, Mom and Dad, for providing this for me. And help me, Jesus, to be grateful, even if I get disappointed. It's a prayer for grown-ups, too. Let's stand together as we, uh, as we prepare to receive this sacrament. I want to invite those who are going to uh, help serve this morning, if you'll come now and prepare yourselves to serve. Would you do that? <clears throat> I would like us to say the Apostles' Creed together. Good, we've got some young people coming this morning to help serve communion. I'm going to let you guys put some of that on and clean your hands. Yay, we've got lots of people here this morning. Go ahead and sanitize your hands. I'll get ready. Let's say the Apostles' Creed together.
I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father and will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Universal Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let's take a moment for prayer, and then we'll join our voices again saying the Lord's Prayer together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for leading us, for calling us to you, for gathering us here today. Jesus, help us. We confess our need of you and of many things. God, we confess that it is easy for us to love money, to love our things, focus on on what I want, what I need, and how to get it. You say to us, be content with what we have. Help us to share, God. Most of us in this room could very easily agree we have more than what we need. Help us, God. And then, God, help us care for one another. And we thank you for that, Jesus. We confess our need and our help, our, our need for your help today in Jesus' name. Let's pray the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. If you'll just give us a moment to get situated. Uh, you can see we've got a lot of young people here today to help, to help serve. And uh, there's going to be four places where you can receive communion. There will be one uh, at each, uh, the bottom of each stairway at the platform. I ask you simply to come forward down the aisles. Uh, Pastor Vaughn, I'm going to ask... Uh, what? Yes. <laughs> we remember that night when Christ was betrayed that he took the bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and he said, take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. He took the cup and he gave thanks. He gave it to his disciples and he said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this and we ask your Holy Spirit to come upon us as we receive this bread and juice. In Jesus' name, amen.
could have purchased our redemption on our own. We needed you. We needed you to come to purchase our salvation for us. We didn't have the means to do it. So Jesus, we thank you today that once again we have an opportunity to remember that sacrifice. And Lord, let us never get to the point where it just becomes ritual for us, where it just becomes routine for us, where it just because where it just becomes something that we do on the first Sunday of each month. God, we pray that you would help us to always carry that wonder in our hearts and that awe for all that you've done. Lord, we thank you for your word today. We thank you that when you come into our heart, when, you, when we allow you to take charge of our circumstances, that's when we become content. Lord, as we move through this series and through this Christmas season, we pray that, Lord, those who struggle at the holidays, those for whom the holidays are just a difficult time, Lord, we pray for contentment, we pray for peace, we pray for families to come together. We pray for relationships to be strengthened families to be strong. We pray for community to get stronger and to grow in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name and everybody said Amen. Before you leave today, if you need prayer, if you want to just come to the altar and pray before you go, the altar is open. You can come and pray. There are folks at the prayer stations in the back corners of the room if you need someone to pray with you. Uh, if you need someone uh, to pray with you and you're worshiping online, There are folks that can meet with you for several more minutes before you sign off today. God bless you. Thank you for worshiping with us. Have a great week.